This podcast is made possible by Workday and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Kevin Bisson, CFO of Ipswich, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 364. When I first got here, I think the, the one thing I noticed was that there was a lot of information, but not all that information was being disseminated um, to certain of the operators. And really, we needed to spend some time. The team, uh, the finance team that was in place was very good. Um, I was lucky enough that a lot of them were long-tenured, so they knew the business very well and they knew the history. But it was really about helping to package up the information we had in a manner that not just the executive team could understand, but also taking pieces of the of, of that information and making sure it was in the operator's hands. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. On today's show, we speak to Todd Seifer, CFO of Business Solver. The customer experience is a central focus of this finance leader's latest tour of duty. Our discussion with Todd begins after these words from our sponsor. Just as a house needs a good foundation, your business needs a solid technology foundation. At Workday, a different approach to finance technology is giving growing mid-size organizations a distinct advantage. Workday's flexible architecture means that when business conditions change, finance can easily make changes to business processes. To learn more about how a finance system from Workday supports mid-size organizations from the ground up, visit us at Workday.com. Workday, built for the future. share a few of the milestones they feel help prepare them for a CFO role. What comes to mind? Um, sure. I'd say at an, at an early age, kind of coming out of undergrad, um, I really learned the, the language of business with, with my accounting background. So I, I decided to join uh, Coopers and Librand initially, which became PricewaterhouseCoopers, and that really gave me the opportunity to interact with a lot of leaders, not just in the accounting side, but also on the operations side of, of many different businesses, um, various um, industries as well, aerospace to manufacturing to automotive, uh, really span, span. So I got a broad sense of, of business and kind of how leaders think about finance as it relates to their their business and running their business. And then soon after, I went to graduate school and then came out and spent times at both Bank of America and Bear Stearns, 
you know, helping to understand how companies finance, whether it was IPOs or debt financings or acquisitions and other strategic transactions. So you started to put some other pieces together of how does leadership use capital and the, the capital markets to help drive their business and make strategic decisions. And then the last was when I joined Allscripts, having spent times more as a, a consultant in the accounting and the banking world in a way, um, really being part of a leadership team that at Allscripts helped grow a business from $300 million in revenue to, you know, over a billion dollars and really understanding um, the different pieces, spending time as a, always as a finance leader, whether that was sales or running a business unit, um, but also getting deep within the operations and really connecting the pieces with how does an operator think about their business and how do they need finance and analytics to help them run that business more strategically and make better decisions. Okay. Our last CFO guest told us that he was at J.P. Morgan in the late 1990s when the Asian uh, financial crisis occurred. And that, in some ways, influenced his career. And it's 2007, and you're at Bear Stearns. Uh, you are uh, in one of the most historical chapters of the last, you know, 50 years in business. You are uh, witnessing it firsthand. Uh, so it's hard for me to resist asking you, how did that influence your career path? What, how do you look at the world differently since? Yeah, so I would say, um, well, I'd like to say my, my timing around when I left Bear Stearns was, was based on something I saw coming. Um, I really was at a, a point in my career when I really wanted to, as I talked about earlier, really take that finance and accounting knowledge that I had had and that exposure from how that interacts with the operations, and I wanted to be a part of something that helped ran something. Um, certainly on the, on the back end, um, as you have hindsight, you could see all the pieces and how they were lining up and say, wow, you know, it, some of what happened kind of made sense. But I, I wouldn't say my departure from Bear Stearns, you know, not far uh, um, before uh, what happened at Bear Stearns and, and kind of the closure of Bear Stearns occurred, um, but it was really um, kind of a desire to end up um, helping to run a business and helping to grow a business and having that strategic finance leadership um, in place. But, but I can't tell you that the, what I saw coming was, was a result of that, although when you look back, certainly um, what was going on, whether it be mortgage crisis or how, you know, banks were lending and, and some of the behaviors going on then, certainly you can look back and, and see why events occurred the way they did. So the CFO office was always where you saw the future. It's not, I'm wondering if you saw another opportunity in the banking world. You were undecided. There were lots of different paths that could have led to. Um, but, no, you wanted to, to really go back into the corporate world and aim at that office. I did, I did. I really, you know, when I chose accounting and then when I chose banking, it was, it was with, in the back of my mind, I was saying these are, these are building blocks and things I wanted to be exposed to because I know it would kind of go into my, my arsenal that it would eventually, I really wanted to be um, 
in a, a CFO office, whether that was in a CFO seat or some other seat within there, but that I wanted to be a part of that within, to your point, within kind of industry as opposed to, you know, a banking or an accounting more on a, on a consultative basis or support basis. So tell us about when you arrive at Business Solvers and what was the role you wanted to create for yourself as a CFO? Yeah, based on kind of what I had been exposed to in my past, specifically at Allscripts where I had, you know, worked with, with a couple of CFOs, I really wanted to build at Business Solver a CFO role or be positioned in a manner that really was more of that operational strategic finance view. So, you know, I think most CFOs would say they don't want to, want to be just the numbers guy. Really, they want to seat at the table um, from an operational perspective and, and help drive those decisions. And, and it's, you know, up to the CFO or, or his staff to make sure that they're providing the operational leaders and the board the analytical insights into the numbers and into the business that help drive those decisions, but they also want a, a seat at that table. So I always want to be viewed as not the, the finance guy at the table, I really want to be a business partner who can provide different insights into making certain decisions. Can you tell us what uh, you had to do perhaps to, to get your team um, in place and to begin providing those insights that you just described? Was there uh, certain practices that you adopted to help make those insights uh, more visible or communicate in a way more effectively to the uh, the operations team? Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, when I first got here, I think the, the one thing I noticed was that there was a lot of information, but not all that information was being disseminated um, to certain of the operators. And really, we needed to spend some time. The team, uh, the finance team that was in place was very good. Um, I was lucky enough that a lot of them were long-tenured, so they knew the business very well and they knew the history. But it was really about helping to package up the information we had in a manner that not just the executive team could understand, but also taking pieces of the of, of that information and making sure it was in the operator's hands. And and that didn't necessarily mean giving them a P&L and then talking about simple things like, revenue to headcount and and what should uh you know on average um within a certain group say um what should that ratio look like so it was really again taking a lot of information we had distilling it down and then making it in a manner that that an operator could could understand and and that they could um manage to so i wouldn't want someone looking at necessarily every single expense line item but something like revenue to headcount, they understand the number of people they manage and they understand the, the amount of business they are responsible for from a revenue standpoint. So knowing that ratio and giving them some targets, that's something that can easily be managed to and understand and tracked. So really is about simplifying the information and making sure that was in the hands of the operators so that what they were looking at and, and targeting was similar to what I would want that to be or the business overall would want it to be. So let's find out about Business Solver and, and the types of offerings uh, it has. What would you share with us? Sure. We are a benefits administration technology company. So so 
what we do is um, we companies, so our clients, um, really provide the the best benefits that they can offer to their their individuals and help them engage in that decision. So um, we're we're helping that, and then on the back end. Really, we are using our technology to administer those benefits on a on a day to day basis. So we're often interacting with our clients' um, uh, benefits departments and administrators on a daily basis to help them make sure that the benefits are being delivered to their employees um, the way that they would want to. So you know, we are we're touching kind of two constituencies, both our clients. So the benefits departments of, of corporations, but on a daily basis, we are touching their employees as well and making sure that their benefits are available to them and that we can help them um, make the best benefits decisions possible. Compared to uh, Business Solvers competitors, what's, what's setting these offerings apart? Where are you really finding an edge? So we really leverage our, our technology, which has really been developed over the last 20 years. Um, so we think it's, uh, you know, leading technology. And then across the company, it's really a commitment to service. So it's a commitment to service, again, both to the benefits departments that we support, but also to their em- the employees of these companies. We take that very seriously. Um, and, and so – you know, that's the most important, that we're delivering service and that people understand we have a commitment to them. What are the, the key metrics that you rely on to understand how the uh, business is performing? Yeah, I, I think Business Solver is unique in a way that we um, actually ask our customers um, on, a, on a monthly basis um, and, and more frequently than that even, to rate us, so we, we kind of call it our, the pulse, and it's a simple rating system um, where it's a, it's a means for them to tell us what they're thinking. So oftentimes, if you're if you're working with them, it's hard in a in a day-to-day interaction to, to provide that feedback. But this is a simple way that it's a, a simple color chart, uh, you know, red, yellow, green, blue. And, and they can rate us. And so we watch that very closely, and we watch changes. And so, you know, if someone goes down to yellow, that's a trigger for us to ask the question and understand why. So um, really it's, it's, it's for information. It allows the customers um, to do that in, in, a, in a, not a confidential, but in, a, in an easy manner. And then it's a signal to us to really be able to ask why. And it's also to understand where are we doing a good job and how can we emulate that across other customers? So um, we watch that very, very closely um, for sure. Wow. Uh, Normally our guests will share the the customer metrics uh, towards the end of their list. And, um, you know, there's uh, cash concerns or whatever. Uh, But let me ask ask you again about uh, maybe the operational metrics. Uh, As far as when you come in before your first cup of coffee in the morning, what what is it that uh, the numbers you're looking at? Yeah, sure. Um, So I I can give you a a sense. So, you know, besides the the customer uh, pulse and kind of experience, um, from a financial or an operational perspective, 
we're often watching um, a big piece of it is is people. So uh, the people that interact with our customers is very important. So we're watching, you know, the business, new business pipeline coming in and making sure we have uh, the appropriate resources to, to service those customers and to deliver for the customers. Um, from a pure finance perspective, uh, we're watching not necessarily daily, but um, I certainly watch on a monthly basis what are our pipeline of sole businesses and, and what our revenue is. Obviously, that's, that's our, our growth engine, but it's also uh, what will allow us to continue to invest in the technology um, and, and make sure we're leading, uh, providing leading products to the marketplace. So we want to make sure we continue to grow so that we can continue to invest in, in the technology. Um, so we certainly look at where are our new implementations coming from and where are they in their um, implementation cycle to, to going live. Business Solver is a little unique in that um, there, there is some cyclicality to our, our sales and business. So if you think of benefits, annual enrollment usually occurs in the fourth calendar quarter. And so a lot of our customers, uh, new customers, have a go-live in the fourth quarter, and so we're constantly through the year watching to make sure uh, our new business projects are, are uh, on track for that, as well as paying attention to our existing customer base to make sure we're preparing them, and it is really a full year um, project to make sure we're preparing them to be ready for that annual enrollment cycle that for most companies is in the, the fourth calendar quarter. Okay. Now, is, is lifetime customer value something you pay close attention to? Um, we do. Obviously, we, uh, we, what we look for most is, is, you know, we view this as a partnership, and we always view it at the front end as a, a long-term partnership. Um, and so to us, that value will come, but most importantly is we want to make sure we've got a customer effectively for life. So we focus very much on, on retention, and, and that's, that's not just a number. It's day by day how we service that customer. It's why we watch the, the customer pulse or the rating so closely. And it also requires us to make sure we're bringing uh, leading technology products to the market to ensure that we're keeping up. Um, you know, we're kind of judged every day based on how we perform with our customers, and they have a choice. They have a choice to stay with us, um, and so we watch that very closely. But our view is if we're doing all those things right, that, that lifetime value, um, you know, will, will be uh, where we want it to be. But we don't necessarily do a calculation, so to speak, of lifetime value. Okay. We always like to ask for a finance strategic moment or an aha moment, and this is where – uh, given your unique lines of sight into the organization as a finance leader, you either identified an opportunity or perhaps a risk, but something that led you to direct the company in a different direction. What 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 uh, what comes to mind? Yeah, I, I would say um, those. If I go back to my time at Allscripts, um, really Allscripts, we we made a a fair amount of acquisitions along the way and. And a couple that were um, significant, nearly doubling the size of the company at, at each of those times. And I, I think, um, you know, when I look back, 
certain points in the, when we're making an acquisition. Really, there's the acquisition and the upfront work, but really, the when you're trying to put the companies together afterwards, that's where I think really you, you have that, to use your term, finance strategic moment, because there's a lot of moving parts, and some is pure numbers, some is operational, and some is strategy, and it really cuts across a, a whole bunch of categories. It's people you're usually dealing with, you're dealing with product, whether that's complementary or competing product, and then um, as well as, you know, thinking about the financials and what, what was the financial driver of that acquisition. And so I think in, in those moments, it really tests both, you know, the entire leadership team of a company, but also the finance people or, or ones like myself are really thinking across all those lines. And so you've got to put all those multiple pieces together to really say, okay, after this acquisition, how do we want to move forward? And I think those are the times where, you know, to use it, finance strategic moments come to light because you're making a lot of decisions very quickly that are really going to impact the company going forward. Now, you had mentioned earlier uh, how uh, the company takes a hard look at revenue to headcount, um, but I'm wondering, uh, as you build the workforce, uh, could you share a little bit about uh, what the mindset is uh, as far as new hires and how, how to expand and grow the workforce? As we look at headcount and, and growth, we really try to um, balance those two. So Business Solver is a little unique in that um, we've always wanted to grow, and but we've done it responsibly. So we're not relying upon outside capital or anything like that. And so really our growth is funding from our operations. So it, it provides a discipline that I think some other companies may not have, um, but it allows us to make sure we're balancing our growth with also what we can handle. And, and so um, that's really the balance we use as we set our plans or as we look to add people. We think about it not just in terms of how is it going to drive the top line, but we're really looking at it as how are we going to drive the top line, but also make sure we're being responsible from a fiscal responsibility and, and making sure we maintain our profitability targets and metrics that we want to uh, have going forward because it's only the growth is only meaningful if you can do it in a responsible way and make sure you continue to deliver for the customers. Hello, Thought Leader listeners. Upon our return, we will be having Todd step into the mentoring round right after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. 
What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? I think uh, what's exciting to me is is that it's a little bit about what we've talked about is that finance is, is changing. The view of finance in, in companies is very much changing. Um, it is no longer just about the numbers. It's really about having that seat at the operating table and helping to drive a business. I think you're, you're seeing um, kind of in the market and industry more and more um, where finance leaders are taking on multiple roles um, and having um, other parts of the business either report to them or responsibility, or even you're seeing you know, finance leaders move out of the finance seat and into an operations seat and then potentially back. I think it's, it's being uh, looked at much more as an operational strategic role um, that ha- can impact many facets of a business. And so to me, that's what's exciting. I think uh, that's why I love being a business solver is, you know, we're all working as a team. And so it really doesn't matter what, you know, title or responsibility you have. We're all focused on the operations of the business and growing the business. Um, and I think that's happening outside of business solver too. I think that's across industry where the role of a CFO or the role of other roles is, is really changing and, and you're wearing many hats and you're impacting a lot of different areas of a company. What is that one piece of advice you wish someone had given you when you first stepped into the office of the CFO? To expect the unexpected. Um, and it, it goes to what I, what I just talked about is, you know, you're going to wear many, many different hats and you're going to wear hats that you didn't think you would. And so you really have to be ready to, to pivot and be adaptable to that and really be ready to do whatever is necessary, you know, whenever it is, because you, you really can't predict what your day, week, month, or year is going to be like. You're going to you're gonna have responsibilities or things, things you have to attend to that you would have never expected to. Do you have a personal habit that you believe has contributed to your professional success? Um, I would say, you know, it's, it, it may be cliche, but I think it's, it's very much about doing whatever's necessary as well as kind of an unwavering commitment. So wherever I've been, whether it's at Business Over or Allscripts or back in even my public accounting days at, at Coopers and Librand, um, I think the, the willingness and the desire and, and even the, the drive to kind of just do what it takes to get things done um, to me has, has been important to me, and I think people have recognized that, and therefore, you know, you, you kind of want – others want to help those um, who have that, that drive and desire, and they, they recognize it. Um, and I think, you know, if I were giving advice to people early on in their career, I would say to make sure, you know, they're giving off that willingness, desire, and drive, and people will rally around that. Okay. I wanted to ask you, you built your career in the Chicago uh, geography and uh, pretty much uh, was able to remain there. I know, you, I guess, Price Waterhouse, you were up in Boston. Well, we'd like to get a sense if you felt it was necessary to move around to build your career. What would you share with us? Yeah, I, I have not 
seen seen that as a uh, an impediment. It's, it's kind of interesting you bring that up. Um, I, I do live in Chicago, and, and Business Solver has a, a growing office in Chicago. I actually spend a, a fair amount of my time in Des Moines, which is where Business Solver's headquarters uh, is. And so, you know, while um, that that requires travel, um, I really never saw as my physical location being as an impediment um, to to being able to kind of further my career. Okay. Well, thank you uh, for explaining that. That's interesting. Uh, that was a, another bonus question for you um, and because we're right at the end here. Right? We've got our final uh, question, which is, as a finance leader looking forward, what are your priorities over the next 12 months? I, I think it's a, a lot about what we've talked about. It's it's continuing to ensure that, that business solver is growing in a responsible manner um, and that we're delivering for our customers both you know from a day-to-day service and quality perspective but also um, from making sure we continue to push ourselves to you know bring new products to market we we very recently come out with something called Sophia where it is um, kind of the first in in the industry uh, in using um, artificial intelligence and machine learning to help um, the the members uh, address benefits questions that they may have. And I think those are the types of things that we at Business Solver continue to push ourselves to be the, the thought leader and the product leader in the market. Um, and that's really where we're, we're focused on continuing to grow and deliver for our clients and their employees. Todd Seifert, thank you for joining us on CFO Fault here. Thank you, Jack. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, Thought Leader listeners, you can now go premium at cfofaultleader.com.